Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays. I am here with you back from Australia. Incredible time down there. Uh, Left on December 15th. I was gone almost three weeks uh, I hope that all of you had fantastic New Year's. I hope that you had spectacular Christmases. Uh, we survived Australia, had an incredible time. I might might write about it for people who have not been to Australia before. Uh, several of the guys who work at Fox are Australian and gave me the places that they thought it made the most sense to visit. So we went to uh, we went to uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Cairns. Uh, and also to the Hamilton uh, Island area, to the Wit Sundays. I've never been, obviously, to Australia before. I had no idea what to expect. The people were fabulous. The country was incredible. Uh, the Wit Sundays, we stayed on an island called Hayman Island out there. They're mostly uninhabited. One of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Uh, We took a helicopter ride over the Great Barrier Reef, which is one of the coolest things I have ever done. We snorkeled, the kids did, and I, on the Great Barrier Reef. Unbelievable. My my 13-year-old turned to me multiple times as we were uh, snorkeling over the Great Barrier Reef and said it felt like he was in with me a Discovery Channel documentary. It didn't even feel real to see how incredible those coral formations were. We just had a fabulous time. So I've always wanted to go to Australia, always wanted to go to to Italy, had never been to either country, got to do both of those in 2023. 2024 is going to be bonkers. Uh, There is zero doubt about that. I knew it was going to be crazy. I said, let's go ahead and take an awesome family vacation before all the chaos happens, before the primary season voting starts. We're one week out from Iowa. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Who knows what's going to happen in 2024? I just know it is going to be one of the nastiest presidential campaigns we have ever seen. Uh, You've already got an indication of that from the way that Joe Biden is uh, starting his campaign with the speech at Valley Forge and now with the speech at the uh, Black Church in Charleston where nine parishioners were, were killed, uh, brutally murdered by a lunatic there, it is going to be one of the nastiest, if not the nastiest, and I do think it'll be the nastiest presidential campaign of any of our lives. So buckle up. We'll talk about that more uh, certainly all throughout these outkick shows in the days and weeks and months ahead. But right now we got a lot of football to talk about. Uh, and we'll start with Washington, Michigan. To be fair, your boy down in Australia watched uh, Alabama give up the lead late against Michigan and then Michigan win in overtime. A lot of focus on the Jalen Milrow fourth down play call out of double or triple timeouts or however many timeouts ended up being. I didn't have any issue with that at all. I thought 
Michigan won this game with their last second drive against Alabama. Usually you don't see an Alabama defense give up a drive like that. They went for it early on fourth and two, uh, managed to hit a huge play, put them in position to win. Uh, uh, McCarthy made just enough throws, narrowly avoided interception a couple of times on that final drive. And then uh, Michigan went in and just out-physicaled Alabama in overtime. And as good as Jalen Milrow was at times, the fumble that they managed to avoid significant responsibility for uh, around midfield late in the fourth quarter, uh, Michigan had trouble snapping the football. So for that magnitude did Alabama. Uh, But credit to Michigan for finding a way to win. I was wrong on that one. I thought Alabama would win by a touchdown. I was also wrong on uh, the Washington game. I thought that Texas would win that game. I thought that they would win by seven or more as well. I thought I would be traveling and attending today the Alabama game uh, going up against Texas. I got both games wrong. So uh, for Michigan-Washington, don't share this with my Michigan grad wife. I'm taking Washington plus the four and a half. Now, if you're a Michigan fan, you might be ecstatic. You might be like, thank the Lord, Clay. We wanted you to bet against us. If you're a Washington fan, you might be saying, why have you forsaken us, Clay Travis? You've been the worst gambler ever this year. You got the matchups wrong. You bet them wrong. I think that Washington, plus four and a half, covers and has a chance to win this one late. Even if Michigan wins by a field goal, given the fact that I'm getting on plus four and a half, look, why am I I making this pick? Michael Penix Jr., is, I believe, going to be the best player on the field. And let me just say this right off the top. With the 12-team playoff coming soon, let me make this argument very cogent, very succinct, and very clear. The Heisman Trophy should not be voted on until the college football playoff is over. Let me reiterate this again. This is something that I've argued for a long time. The college football playoff is going to be so massive and the magnitude of it is going to be so large that you cannot determine who the best player is in college football. I don't think you can do it now with a four-team playoff because if Michael Penix Jr. goes out and he beats Michigan tonight, it will be even more egregious that he did not win the Heisman Trophy than it already is, okay? So as, as much as Jaden Daniels deserved the Heisman Trophy based on the regular season, if Michael Penix Jr. goes out and leads Washington to a 15-0 season, this is going to be <clears throat> somewhat akin to Vince Young not winning the Heisman. Do you remember the performance that Vince Young put up in that game against USC when Texas won the national championship in what I think is the greatest college football game I have probably ever watched. Undefeated Texas, undefeated USC, USC going for a third straight national championship. My buddy Matt Leiner was not a friend then, now has become a very good friend. Reggie Bush, no Reggie, like Reggie. Uh, Lindell White, all those guys out on the field, the Pete Carroll dynasty that they built at Southern Cal. Vince Young went out and put up over 200 yards passing and over 200 yards rushing. 
It is the single greatest performance in a college football game, given the magnitude of that game, out in the Rose Bowl, that I have ever seen in my life as a college football fan. Single best performance. Anyone who watched that performance said, yeah, Vince Young should have won the Heisman Trophy. I felt this way ever since we started playing national championship games. But now that we're going to have gone to a four-team playoff, and soon we are going to a 12-team playoff, the idea that we would ever crown a Heisman Trophy winner before the college football playoff is complete is crazy. And if Michael Penix Jr. goes out and wins and defeats Michigan tonight to go to 15-0, and it will be even more of a bonkers decision to award the Heisman Trophy in December before we even get to the playoff. So, the only reason they do it this way is for television. They should have an end-of-the-season award ceremony in college football that includes the Heisman Trophy that only occurs after the 12-team playoff is over. Because you cannot judge the best player of the year in college football until the full season is over. I don't think you can. Because all of these college football playoff games are going to be so seismic, so monumental, you could potentially not see a guy play in three huge games. And I don't understand how you can judge the best player in college football without having seen that. But I think Michael Penix Jr. is going to be the best player on the field. Uh, His relationship with his wide receivers, he often throws the ball to them when they're not open at all. There is an amazing amount of trust. I love what Washington has been able to build. Um, And I just think that the Huskies plus four and a half is the play. Now, I will be in the stadium watching. I will be watching the game with my wife, who is a diehard Michigan fan. I'm telling you what I expect for it to come down to a late field goal, late drive potentially to decide this game. I think it will be epic. I think it will be enjoyable. I think it will be a good preview of what the 12-team college football uh, playoff is going to look like. I cannot wait for it to get here, but I like Washington plus four and a half in this game. Uh, I am on the Huskies. I apologize to Husky fans everywhere. And do not tell my wife, uh, who is going to be fully attired in Michigan gear, that, uh, that I am picking Washington uh, because I don't want her to be aware of what's going on. Now, uh, NFL playoff matchups are all set. I watched the NFL all day yesterday, uh, like many of you did. Boy, oh boy, uh, and I'll dive into all these matchups. Wednesday, I'll be doing the show with Kelly Stewart at Kelly in Vegas. We'll be breaking down the gambling components of uh, this. Good day, by the way, for the OutKick six-pack. We went 5-2, and two, helped to bounce back from going 0-2 in the college football uh, playoffs uh, so far. Uh, and so I am somewhat optimistic that I'll do a decent job of making my picks. I'll give you all those picks on Wednesday. They will also be up on OutKick. I will pick every single playoff game. Uh, I think this is the best time of year in the NFL. I love Wild Card Weekend. I think it is uh, virtually, by the way, Michigan's all the way out to five and a half as I am talking to you right now. So I like 
uh, I like Washington even more uh, than I did before. Uh, so, uh, so just FYI, these wild card matchups, man, I love wild card weekend and I love divisional playoff weekend. Um, and I want to make sure that I get them all uh, kind of queued up for you. Browns going head-to-head against the Texans. Joe Flacco, who is approximately 84 years old, uh, will be taking the field against C.J. Stroud. Incredible rookie season for the Texans. Congrats to Texans fans for being excited about getting C.J. Stroud at the number two overall pick. Looks way better than Bryce Young so far. Um, And to win the AFC South and get to host a home playoff game, in NRG Stadium, the stadium that I'm about to go into here in a few hours to watch Washington play uh, against Michigan, uh, I think this is going to turn into an uh, incredible matchup. Uh, early read, I like the Browns. I like Joe Flacco and company to get the win here. Uh, then on Saturday, you've got the Dolphins going up against the Chiefs. Let me just pause here for a moment. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This was the Sunday night football game. The amount of turnaround from the Buffalo Bills looking like they weren't even going to make the playoffs, to surging all the way to the number two seed, finding a way to play in a game they didn't play that well in, where Josh Allen had a couple of interceptions in the end zone, uh, where you got stopped at the one-yard line to end the half, uh, where you dropped a touchdown pass, pretty clearly should have been a TD, late in the first half to tie this up. Big play with the 95-yard punt return for a touchdown willing your way, Josh Allen effectively putting this team on his back. I love the way the Bills are playing down the stretch, but my goodness, the Dolphins have just collapsed. Not as big of a collapse as the Jags, which I'll talk about in a moment, but the Dolphins finding their way to lose the AFC East. Bills win the AFC East for a fourth straight year, and now the Dolphins have to go on the road against the Chiefs and As wobbly as Kansas City has been, crazy stat, Patrick Mahomes has still never played a road playoff game. Obviously, the Super Bowl is a neutral site venue. I don't think the Dolphins have a very good shot of going on the road and winning at Kansas City. I just don't. I'll spend more time breaking down this matchup on Wednesday. But the Dolphins have really, really faded to put themselves in a position where they had a three-game lead late in the year against the Bills, and they just collapsed. Bills fans took over uh, the Hard Rock Stadium there. Pretty crazy. Steelers. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is incredible. Now, I don't think the Steelers have the offensive firepower to go on the road and win at Buffalo. I really like this matchup for the Bills. Bills are playing... Uh, Really good football down the stretch. I like what I'm seeing from Josh Allen. 
Uh, I like the way the Bills are kind of bringing everything together. The fact that they've stared into the face and peril of not being in this position. Love everything about the Steelers getting into the playoffs. Congratulations. I'll talk about the Titans helping to solve all the AFC playoff picture. I like the Bills early in this one. Packers on the road against the Cowboys. Don't think that the Packers have the horses. Very successful first year for Jordan Love. Up and down, but for him to get the Packers in the playoffs is a big success story. Cowboys offense firing on all cylinders. I think if anything right now, Dak is underrated. Cowboys have a real shot to make a run in the postseason. They should win this wild card game. Uh, Rams on the road against the Lions. Let me take a pause here to talk about the Lions because I wasn't in the country, but I was watching when the Lions got screwed out of that two-point conversion that would have given them the win over the Cowboys. Lions, we don't know what would have happened with the 49ers. But the Lions' worst-case scenario would have been a two-seed. And the Lions might have ended up the one-seed overall in the NFC, meaning they would get a playoff bye if the NFL had correctly called. I think what happened, I tweeted about this when the real in the moment, I think that the NFL official got 68 and 70 confused. I think he announced the wrong team. The, uh, the Lions tried to confuse the Cowboys by having multiple players run up to the official. Um, I don't think that the Cowboys would have covered 70 anyway. I might get the numbers mixed up here. I can't remember who was 70 and who was 68. Uh, he was going to be open regardless. This feels to me like a situation uh, where uh, the Lions got completely screwed. It wasn't a playoff game, thankfully. Can you imagine if this had happened in the Super Bowl? Lions, I'm rooting for to win the NFC. I would like to see a Lions-Browns game, full disclosure. Uh, I don't know if America could handle a Rams-Lions playoff game. Uh, but I would like, uh, sorry, a Lions uh, and Brown Super Bowl. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens in Rams-Lions. The Eagles starting to fall apart, beat down from the uh, Giants and the Bucks. Congratulations, Baker Mayfield. Three straight division titles. Given the salary cap situation the Bucks are under, I never would have believed that they would be capable of winning this division again. I like the Bucks. I really do. To beat the Eagles, there's an early preview for you uh, in that matchup in Tampa Bay. I just think the Eagles are fading very, very fast. Uh, so uh, that is my early takeaway. Uh, credit to uh, the Tennessee Titans for beating Jacksonville. I don't know how many of you saw the incredibly classy goodbye that Derrick Henry had for Titans fans after eight years. He said it was the best eight years of his life. Maybe we can grab uh, a couple of those videos and put them on either side of this. Uh, Derrick Henry then in the postgame in, uh, in the media gave a shout-out to everybody, whether it was the janitors in charge of cleaning the locker room, whether it was the people who cook for the Titans in the facility, the security, the people who lay out his uniform, was one of the classiest acknowledgments of everybody in the entire building that I have seen from any NFL player ever, any pro athlete ever. Uh, Derrick Henry, Hall of Fame career. It has been a pleasure watching him. I certainly understand if he is deciding now that he's going to be a free agent 
to go to a team that has a better chance to win a championship. I wish that Ryan Tannehill, who was also on his way out, had not thrown the three interceptions uh, in that playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals where the Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times and still lost that game uh, because of the three interceptions that Ryan Tannehill threw. Uh, Otherwise, if he just doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Titans probably win that game by double digits. I'm never going to get over that game because that's the third time that I've been in person to watch the Titans fail to win the divisional round playoff game as the number one seed and therefore not be able to host the AFC championship game uh, with giving themselves a chance to go on to the Super Bowl. Just an absolutely brutal uh, way for that season to end. But credit to Derrick Henry for going out, I think around 150 yards rushing. He went out as he has played over the last six or so years as the best and most dominant running back in the NFL, even though he has turned 30. I certainly wish the best for him as he continues and goes forward. Uh, But it feels like the Titans have got to make a decision about Tannehill's gone, uh, what to do with uh, the future of the franchise. I'm not sold on Will Levis. All of you know that. I like Mike Vrabel. I would keep Mike Vrabel, but I certainly understand if Mike Vrabel wants to move on, because I don't think the Titans are very close to being able to win a Super Bowl, and there may well be a better coaching opportunity for him. Maybe the Patriots want to trade for him. He's under contract. Uh, We'll see how all of of that shakes out before all is complete. Uh, But Jags lose. Really awful performance by the Jags. Trevor Lawrence, the last three throws he had, maybe he doesn't have a good shoulder, misses Calvin Ridley wide open for what should have been a touchdown, and then airmails two straight throws on third and fourth down, not even giving his receivers an opportunity to make a play. It was a really bad performance by the Jags. Titans knocked them out of the playoffs, put the Texans into the AFC South, even before uh, the uh, AFC South title for the Texans put the Steelers in the playoffs and put the Bills in the playoffs even before the Bills went and won the division and took the overall number two spot. Finally, Pat McAfee uh, is, uh, is teeing off on one of his bosses at uh, ESPN. Maybe we can grab, if you haven't seen the video, in a shortened version that we'll put out about this. On Friday, Pat McAfee called a guy named Norby Williamson, who is third overall at ESPN, called him a rat, said he was trying to sabotage the show. Uh, Today, uh, he said on his show that that same guy was an old hag. Uh, This is pretty direct attack, the likes of which I don't know that we've ever seen um, from uh, anybody to go on air on his show which is now produced by ESPN, I believe, and call his boss a rat and an old hag. I've never seen anything like this in uh, sports media. ESPN, though, has lined up entirely behind Pat McAfee. And I give credit to Pat McAfee. Look, I'm almost always going to be on the side of talent, right? I sit and do live radio for three hours every day, I've done that now for, God, I don't know, 15 years, however long, 10 years. I'm not even sure how long I've been doing it, probably 15, uh, where I've been doing daily radio for three hours every day. I've been talking to you guys on this show, uh, on YouTube. They clip it on TikTok, on uh, everywhere 
for the past, uh, I mean, seven or eight years, I think, on this show, too. I'm always going to be on the side of talent. You say, why would you be on the side of talent? Because I know what it is to sit down without a script and to talk and to work on a show, right? I've done a lot of television over the years. I did, what, Lock It In slash Fox Bet Live, four years of television there. I do a lot of Fox News. I've done a lot of Fox Sports over the years. Uh, I do a lot of television. I understand what it takes to do live radio, live television. And I understand what it is to do that if you don't have the full support of people in management behind you. Uh, And so I understand if Pat McAfee feels like his show is being sabotaged, and there certainly is evidence to support that. Uh, There was a big story in the New York Post talking about the ratings for Pat McAfee's show compared to the ratings for Stephen A. Smith before him. Now, I would point out that Pat McAfee and Stephen A. Smith probably have different audiences, and McAfee's in his first year of doing his show. Stephen A. Smith's been doing that show for 12 or 13 years. It takes time to build an audience. Stephen A.'s uh, show is not primarily distributed on social media. McAfee comes out of the social media universe. To me, the biggest story about McAfee calling his boss, one of his bosses, a rat and an old hag is ESPN used to believe that their network made the star. Now, in allowing Pat McAfee to make these comments and make these statements live on his show, denigrating his bosses, to be fair, McAfee said that he liked Jimmy Pataro, he liked uh, Burke Magnus, who posed in a photo with McAfee over the weekend, and he liked uh, also uh, the CEO of Disney and its totality, Bob Iger, So he's saying that he likes all those bosses. He just hates this boss, Norby Williamson. I don't know how Norby Williamson has any career at ESPN left, honestly, when you're getting called out by talent on the air and they're doing nothing to you. My point on this, though, is talent now has more power than management. That's what they are saying at ESPN, that if if – Pat McAfee can call out his bosses on the air and insult them and call them rats and old hags, then he effectively is making it clear that he is the captain of the ESPN ship. And the one thing I would wonder about this is, Stephen A. Smith has to be looking at this saying, I can say whatever I want. I would think Kirk Herbstreet. I would think Troy Aikman. I would think Joe Buck. If you're in that category of making... 15 or $20 million a year, which relatively few people are, to be fair. But ESPN used to believe it didn't matter who they put on television. They controlled whether they, uh, you were a star or not. And if you left ESPN, you were done for. A lot of people have proven that not to be true. And now ESPN is having to go outside of the network to find stars. Colin Cowherd has succeeded immensely at Fox. Uh, Skip Bayless has. Aaron Andrews has. Dan Patrick was the first to leave and have a tremendous amount of success. Uh, Rich Eisen went to the NFL Network and has done very well for himself. Bill Simmons has certainly not suffered after leaving ESPN. The bloom is off the ESPN roads. You can be successful 
without being at a major media company. Certainly, the success that, that we've had at OutKick is referenced. Now, Fox owns OutKick now, but I had a lot of success, and a lot of our guys have had success at OutKick outside the traditional big media umbrella. And my thought on this in general is the biggest takeaway here to me is ESPN needs Pat McAfee more than Pat McAfee needs ESPN. And their actions here in choosing him over this executive demonstrates that. And I don't think they would have acknowledged that that was true in years past. Talent is rising in power and management is declining because talent uh, is rare. And McAfee's talents, ESPN is telling us, is so rare they don't think they can replace him. And so he can go on his show and say anything. And let me tell you this. No one has ever told me what I can and cannot say on any show that I have ever done in my entire career because all that matters to me is that I have the freedom to say exactly what I think every single day to all of you. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt because it's been very important to me and I've had written into my contracts over the years that I have editorial control over what I say uh, on every one of my programs. And no one has ever come out and tried to stop me from saying exactly what I think. I do believe that historically, lots of people at ESPN have tried to dictate what talent can and cannot say. And I would think that many people who are involved in the talent industry at ESPN are rooting now for Pat McAfee because they're saying, okay, it's a new era at ESPN. I give credit to McAfee for standing on his authenticity, for telling his audience what he believes to be the full truth for being as authentic as he possibly can be. But boy, oh boy, this is a sign to me that talent now rules the roost beyond a shadow of a doubt at ESPN and that management has almost no control over that talent. If you're talent like your boy here, I think that's a good sign, but I think it is a big change at ESPN and we'll say, see exactly how this continues to shake out. All right, I love all of you. I'm headed now to Washington and Michigan. I like Washington plus the points. I'll see all of you tomorrow. Same bat channel, same bat time. Happy New Year. Merry belated Christmas. And thank you for all your support of OutKick. I'm out. See ya.